is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your AE, AEW. I wish. I wish. That's how fucking, that's how fucking out of it I am, AEW. That's exactly what I wish I was watching tonight. WWE Hell in a Cell 2022 full show review. I am JD from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me. On this Sunday night, wherever you may be, man. Jesus Christ. Yes, I wish it was AEW. I wish it was Wednesday. I wish it was Dynamite, man. At least I wouldn't be here wasting my fucking life watching a three-hour Monday Night Raw on a Sunday night, only to turn around and do the same thing again tomorrow on actual Monday, watching Monday Night Raw. Listen, man. Uh, this uh, This was one hell of a night, man. And it's not because it was a great wrestling show. One hell of a night because Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, the news of Cody Rhodes this afternoon was dire when the reports came out and everybody was talking about it from Meltzer to all the bigwigs on social media, man. Cody Rhodes tore his pectoral muscle and nobody knows the diagnosis of how long he's going to be out. But he will indeed be out for a very long time. Um, I thought it was, when they reported it, not as serious as I had hoped it would be. But WWE, they came out on the pre-show tonight and stated that Cody Rhodes had a full tear of his pec muscle completely off the bone So I did a little investigation on that, and obviously this is a uh, very well-known injury uh, in the pro wrestling realm. It's happened to uh, literally everybody. Obviously, you know Triple H from tearing his pec muscle uh, in that uh, tag team match that was terrible in Saudi Arabia with uh, Shawn Michaels against Undertaker and Kane. Uh, He was out for an extended period of time, but he obviously older than Cody Rhodes uh, anywhere for a light tear, a partial tear of the pec muscle, it's about, I would say, three to six weeks. You know, add a couple of weeks on top of that, maybe you're looking at two months for Cody Rhodes. This is a full tear off the bone. Uh, John Cena's another one, yes. John Cena, though, is Superman. He was supposed to be out for about six or seven months. John Cena came back in two and a half, three months. So I don't know what the fuck he was doing. But uh, I hope the best for Cody Rhodes here. Full tear off the bone for Cody Rhodes. Looking like it's going to be at at least three to six months for Cody Rhodes. Uh, And that will probably leave him off of WWE television for the rest 
of 2022. And no, this is not karma for Cody being a little bitch going back to WWE, leaving AEW and Tony Khan in the dust. No, this has nothing to do with Cody Rhodes leaving AEW whatsoever. And if you think that, you can kindly get the fuck out of my chat, okay? Number one, the serious injury was discussed by Dave Meltzer. Meltzer confirmed that Cody Rhodes is indeed injured, and this was before the show, and everybody was like, oh, well, is he going to wrestle in the main event? Is he going to be in the main event against Seth Rollins? What's going to happen? What's the severity of it? Apparently, WWE last night did a live event in Champaign, Illinois, and they did an angle where Cody was attacked by Seth Rollins. Drew McIntyre replaced Cody in the main event of that show, but Cody appeared after the match to chase Rollins around the ring and to the back. Meltzer confirmed that WWE did this because the belief is that Cody, at that time, had a torn pec. Cody apparently was lifting weights. He was injured lifting weights. And Meltzer says, from what I gather, it's a pretty serious injury. My impression is that he's working the match. This was obviously before the show is that he's working the match tonight with the injury, and I guess we'll get it taken care of after the match and the pay-per-view is over. The injury is legit. Everything I heard was that he is working tonight. The doctors may say, you can't. I don't know. It's not an in-ring injury. It was a weightlifting injury. A torn pec could keep Cody on the shelf for, obviously, upwards towards six months. The injury comes at a time right now where WWE's roster is in dire need of star power, and right now they don't really have anybody, and, and this includes Roman Reigns being out. They don't have anybody to replace Roman Reigns. At the top of the card, Cody was looked upon to hold the fort down while Roman Reigns goes on and does his part-time schedule. So the injury bug has been claiming some major, major names this week, man. Cody Rhodes injured in WWE. We have Brian Danielson, who was already uh, announced as injured today as well. He's injured. Don't know the severity of his injury. Fightful reported that uh, he missed a meet and greet today for AEW. And his uh, status for the Forbidden Door is up in the air right now as well. We don't know. So obviously, you know CM Punk is injured. Broke his foot on an absolutely unnecessary dive on Wednesday's Dynamite right before that big six-man tag team match he had as he teamed with FTR. Uh, against Max Caster and the Ass Boys. Some major injuries, man. Scorpio Sky may be injured. He was limping at the end of his match with Dante Martin on, on Friday night, defending the TNT Championship. Some major injuries, man. The injury bug has claimed some major, major names in the world of professional wrestling this week. You know, I, I could sit here and I could talk about Cody Rhodes and how stupid it is and it really is fucking stupid. But I will say this first and foremost, man. I love Cody. At this juncture right now, as we see the pro wrestling realm, I honestly have no hesitation whatsoever in my body to tell you guys that Cody Rhodes is probably my favorite professional wrestler at this moment. And I have no ill will towards him like the rest of these fucking idiots on social media. Oh, I can't believe he went to WWE. He's a turncoat. He's a traitor. I can't get behind him anymore. Or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's fucking stupid, man. It's professional wrestling. Cody Rhodes wants to do something 
because he wants to live up to the legacy of his father and he wants to pay uh, the legacy of his father uh, back and he, and he wants to do it for his family. Whatever the case may be, man, it's a great fucking story. It's a beautiful to- a story to tell. Him chasing the WWE Championship. Obviously, this is a little bump of the road, but I have no problem with Cody Rhodes going back to WWE. In fact, AEW doesn't even need Cody Rhodes, so I don't know what the fuck you're missing over there. WWE needed Cody Rhodes more than AEW needed Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes knew that. So if Cody Rhodes could get something back in return for him going to the WWE, like uh, a top-of-the-card fucking status in the company, a WWE title run, possibly beating Roman Reigns, he had an absolutely epic introduction back to the company at WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. I mean, they've booked him perfectly. And I don't say that about WWE in any sense of the word at all. You look up and down this fucking roster, they don't do anything right. I won't trust these people to walk my fucking dog. And I don't even have a dog. But WWE doesn't do anything right. Somehow, some way, they've gotten Cody Rhodes absolutely correct. They've done everything perfect with Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is my favorite professional wrestler. And after what he did tonight, man, you know, you could look at it and you can think whatever you want, and I'll get into all that stuff in just a second. But the fact that Cody Rhodes went out there tonight and he did this match and it ended up being a very good match, I wouldn't call it one of the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time. If Cody Rhodes was healthy, this match would have been probably, who the fuck knows what these guys would have done? Who knows what Rollins... And Cody would have went in there and done. This could have easily been one of the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Could have easily been in the top five Hell in a Cell matches of all time. If Cody Rolls was 100% healthy with a 100% healthy Seth Rollins and the caliber of matches that they've had already in the last two previous matches, there was no way these two were going to go in and not have anything but a barn burner. Cody Rhodes and what he did tonight, man, A... It shows you how important this is to him. It shows you how important all of this return means to him. He didn't have to go out there tonight. He didn't have to go out there. He looked fucking miserable out there, man. He looked miserable. I don't really understand how he went in there and did what he did. He is the toughest son of a bitch that you could possibly ever lay eyes on, man. His entire right side, his entire right side was bruised. It was as red as the fucking cell structure. That's how bruised Cody Rhodes' side was, man. I didn't really know the severity of the issue until he took his jacket off tonight. And I said to myself, I wonder if we're going to see how visible the injury is on Cody Rhodes, and then all of a sudden he takes his jacket off, and there was this ominous... There was this ominous hush over the crowd tonight where in the first, I would say, third of the match, in the first, I would say, maybe seven or eight minutes of the match, the crowd was dead fucking shocked and silent through most of this match, man. They, they thought it looked morbid. There was just a morbid feel from that crowd tonight emanating inside the Allstate Arena in Chicago, man. It was, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Everybody on social media asking, how could he do this? How could WWE do this? And all this other shit. It goes to show you what this means for Cody Rhodes, what this run means for Cody Rhodes, what we mean to Cody Rhodes. It was an absolutely epic performance 
to a point where if Cody comes back and is 100% healthy, which I assume he will be, when Cody comes back to the WWE and gets his situation taken care of, if Vince McMahon is not ready and waiting with a WWE championship for this guy, I, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. Cody Rhodes get, went out there and gave Vince McMahon a scheduled main event with half of his fucking body not functioning in the proper way. I don't know what else this man needs to do. He's ta- Cody was already a fucking star upon walking into the WWE. He's literally slotted right under Roman Reigns. What this does is when Cody comes back, this will slot him above Roman Reigns. That's how epic his fucking performance was. They're stupid, but epic at the same time. I don't know how grateful Vince McMahon is to the roster that he employs, but my goodness, man, Cody Rhodes made himself into a fucking absolute, no doubt about it, no hesitation on anybody's fucking tongue tonight. Cody Rhodes made himself into the man in WWE if he wasn't already. If he wasn't already. He made his father proud. I'm sure Dusty's looking down on him. Dusty may have told him that he's stupid. You need to go get this taken care of. But the fact that Cody gutted that shit out, man, I'm sure his father is nothing but proud looking down upon him tonight and the performance that he gave to everybody this evening. The part that I want to really talk about is the fact that WWE should really be fucking embarrassed and really should be ashamed of what they did tonight. Now, WWE could have easily, I'm sure there are, WWE, they they tout that they have the best medical staff in all of the land, WWE. Their doctors are world-renowned WWE doctors, right? There was not one doctor backstage that told Vince McMahon, this man is fully incapable of wrestling tonight. He cannot go. I tell you no. But WWE... Let Cody Rhodes go out there and perform with a fucking fully torn pectoral muscle off the bone. There wasn't one fucking doctor's word back there that got to Vince McMahon where Vince McMahon went and told Cody, no. No, you ain't going out there. Now, I don't think WWE was even in a position for Cody to go out there and not wrestle. They could have easily found anybody else to replace him, right? No, they can't. They don't have anybody. Cody knows they don't have anybody. WWE knows that they don't have anybody. They basically forced Cody Rhodes to go out there and give a main event with half of his fucking body not fully functionable tonight. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? It's WWE's fault. If this doesn't teach WWE a lesson, I I don't know what will. I really don't know what will. And the part that I am really going to focus on here is not the fact that Cody went out there because Cody's a grown fucking man. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. If he wants to wrestle with fucking one arm, then God bless the man. Go out there and wrestle with one arm. He may be out longer for what he did tonight, but he went out there and he gave us a great fucking match without any hesitation whatsoever. The fact that I really want to focus in on is, and I hope WWE, and I doubt it, learns their fucking lesson. If this doesn't open their fucking eyes, I don't know what will. This is what you get, Vince. This is what you get, Bruce. And everybody else that's on 
his fucking team, the circus of geeks that are on Vince McMahon's fucking team. I hope this really opens up your fucking eyes and you now have learned your lesson. This is what you get when you fully one-side a fucking pay-per-view in the middle of a goddamn brand split because you don't have any other top-tier acts outside of Roman Reigns. Everybody wants to poke fun at Tony Khan signing this guy and signing that guy and make fun of Tony Khan for the bloated roster that he has over on AEW's side. Let me tell you something, you fucking imbeciles with the IQ of a fucking empty paper cup. Tony Khan has lost Kenny Omega. CM Punk, their world champion, is out. Adam Cole is injured. Scorpio Sky may be injured. Brian Danielson is now reportedly injured. Jeff Hardy is injured. Do you think Tony Khan is batting a fucking eyelash? No. Tony Khan is not batting an eyelash. So for all the fucking people that are making fun of Tony Khan for the bloated roster and expanding the payroll, right? Look at Tony Khan's position and then look at Vince McMahon's position. Who would you rather be on Sunday night going into Monday morning when you have a wrestling company to run? I think you're going to want to be Tony Khan in this instance, right? Right? Those are, n- those are names that you're not going to want to fucking scoff at that I just mentioned. All those names that I just mentioned would cripple a regular company. It didn't cripple and it will not cripple AEW. Why is that? Because Tony Khan has signed people underneath everybody and has had major names at his disposal. So when something like this happens, he can go and do what he needs to do and not have to lose sleep over it. WWE wishes they were in this situation because now they look at Roman Reigns, who is on a part-time Brock Lesnar schedule for whatever fucking reason. He has their world championships hostage at this point. There's a rumor that he may not even be wrestling at Money in the Bank because they pulled him from advertisements because WWE sold out the MGM Grand, right? The more intimate MGM Grand Garden Arena They don't need Roman Reigns to sell out Allegiant Stadium because they moved into the 12,000-seat MGM Grand. They don't need Roman Reigns to sell the show now. So who the fuck knows if he's going to be on the show? He should be on the show in a world title match against Matt Riddle because that's the way the current TV is taking us. But without Roman Reigns, who else was there? Cody. And now without Cody, what does this mean? Is Roman going to be back on television Friday because Cody Rhodes is out? Can't have Cody and Roman out. Can't have Cody out with injury and Roman Reigns out because he's on a part-time fucking schedule or, or whatever the fuck he's doing. Not wrestling, where his number one priority right now is holding the company, right, on his back as world champions. Who would you rather be on this Sunday night? I think everybody would say, if you have a fucking half a brain, Tony Khan, Okay. WWE should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Not only for letting Cody Rhodes go out there and further injuring the man, potentially ending his fucking career tonight, but WWE should be ashamed of the way that they've half-assed everything because they are a multi-billion dollar company and the TV aspect side of things doesn't mean jack shits. 
because people will subscribe to Peacock and people will give WWE their money and all this other bullshit. So it gives them the fucking mentality of we can be half-assed with our TV shows. We can fucking be lazy. We don't give a shit. We got all the money rolling in. We're selling out WrestleMania. We're selling out this. We're selling out Money in the Bank. We're selling out fucking SummerSlam. We sold out a fucking F-level pay-per-view tonight in Hell in a Cell with no major name outside Cody on the show. WWE sitting on cloud nine, right? But at the end, they don't really think ahead. This is what you get. Karma is a bitch, Vince. Karma is a bitch, Bruce, and so are you. You half-assed this fucking show and you built this entire show around one goddamn fucking match and you didn't even take into consideration, well, what if Seth Rollins gets hurt? We're a touring live brand. What if Cody Rhodes gets hurt? We're a touring live brand. Nobody takes this into consideration. You have virtually nobody under Cody Rhodes and when Cody Rhodes goes down with injury... You don't have anybody. You don't have anybody. CM Punk went down with injury. Brian Danielson went down with injury. Kenny Omega went down with injury. Tony Khan has Adam Hangman Page. Tony Khan has MJF. Tony Khan has Andrade. Tony Khan has Malachi Black. Tony Khan has Chris Jericho. Tony Khan's got John Moxley. Tony Khan's got, you name it, Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland. You name it. He's got a bunch of plan Bs on his roster. WWE's got nobody. Will they finally learn their lesson? Probably not. WWE's roster right now, with Cody going down, is in dire need of somebody like a Bray Wyatt. Are you all looking back at the fucking shit you did over the last two years, firing everybody only to have them go to AEW and claiming, yeah, man, we fucked up. We cut payroll. Our investors are happy. Our pockets are a lot bigger. But now look at your TV show. None of you took into consideration when Cody went down with injury or if Cody goes down with injury, what are we doing? You constantly book your television shows around one fucking guy And everybody else gets fucking table scraps for the rest of the three hours on Monday and the rest of the two hours on Friday. Outside of Reigns, you have not one major name on that roster for us to be invested in. And Drew McIntyre is not that guy. Drew McIntyre is not that guy. Outside of Cody, you have no one on Monday nights to fill his void now, and Seth Rollins is not that guy. Edge is not that guy. It's not going to happen. WWE has done this to themselves, and I don't feel sorry for them at all. What happened to the WWE management team of old, man, when you had everybody on the roster during the Attitude Era, man, Stone Cold, Stone Cold had The Rock, and underneath The Rock, you had Shawn Michaels, and underneath Shawn Michaels, you had The Undertaker, and underneath The Undertaker, you had Kane, and underneath Kane, you had Mankind, and Triple H, and Kurt Angle. What, what happened? What, what happened to the mentality of the WWE, man? That you're okay? You, you people are okay operating with one fucking star and everybody else being just there? 
You don't have any desire to create new stars. You don't have any desire to find the next supporting role in hopes of turning that supporting act, that supporting role into the next Roman Reigns or the next Cody Rhodes. You're okay with operating these two fucking shows with two major names and nobody else underneath them. Now you see the fucking errors of your way. As a fan, I can't sit here and say I feel sorry for WWE. They did this to themselves. What happened? You have nobody. What does WWE do now? What does WWE do now? Are we looking at Roman versus Brock Lesnar again? Because you have no names to bring to the shows to give the value of what we need to the people? Are we ready? Are we really going to do Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns again because Cody Rhodes is out now? Yes, let me go back to what everybody doesn't want to see and that we've done a thousand fucking times over already. What WWE needs to do is very simple. What WWE needs to do is very simple. I doubt they do it because they're a bunch of half-witted fucking idiots. WWE needs to call up those who are in a top-level status in NXT, and we need to start creating new stars. We need to start getting new stars on television. I'm talking about bringing Braun Breaker up to the main roster and giving him the ball and running with it. I'm talking about bringing up Carmelo Hayes, and I'm talking about giving him the ball and having him run with it. I'm talking about bringing up Tony D'Angelo, giving him the ball and having him run with it. Joe Gacy or Santos Escobar, something, something. And I find it very funny how WWE has all this fucking rumor going around about Bray Wyatt coming back. I haven't heard this much Bray Wyatt chatter since the day he was fucking fired. Why is that? Is it because WWE knows what they need to do and knows how to fix their problems, they are absolutely looking at a roster right now that is so depleted, it is laughable. All these Wyatt tweets, be patient. Please be patient. He's ready to come back now. I find it very funny how MJF cut the promo on Wednesday night. Now all of a sudden, you know, he's the talk of the fucking wrestling world. He set the wrestling world on fire. Everybody still to this day, Sunday night, still talking about AEW. There's not one newsworthy fucking week that is bigger than what happened in AEW this week with MJF's fucking nuke of a promo, CM Punk going down with a broken foot, right? This was the most newsworthy week coming out of AEW. Everybody was talking about MJF and the potential of an MJF-CM Punk world title battle sometime later this, later this year. WWE all of a sudden has these Bray Wyatt rumors start up. Did they start talking to Bray Wyatt to bring him back to the company after... AEW laid an atomic bomb on pro wrestling, knowing that they need to make a splash too? Why did all these Bray Wyatt rumors come about? All of a sudden, out of nowhere. Or does WWE now realize what they need to do to fix their fucking problems, which right now are worse because Cody Rhodes is going to be out the rest of the year? They want to bring back Wyatt. Great. Why the fuck did you fire him in the goddamn first place? Number one, Mertz Seller, one of the most creative minds in the fucking business. I really thought that we'd see him tonight because he changed his name on social media to Wyatt Six. 
His profile picture upside down is a, a butterfly or a moth, a moth-like creature with the fiend's fucking face scribbled off. So clearly he's teasing something with the fiend. He's changed his name from Wyndham to Wyatt Six. When did they start talking to Wyndham Rotunda about coming back? Was it after Wednesday? Because I didn't hear one fucking peep about Bray Wyatt coming back before Wednesday. All I heard was that he wasn't interested in coming back, and his father even stated that he wanted to go do other projects before really diving back into the pro wrestling world. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why'd you fire him in the first place? Why'd you fire anybody? All your fucking greediness is catching up to you guys now. Slowly but surely, man. Somewhere in the 200 plus that you released could have been the next perennial WrestleMania main event star. We wouldn't know it and you wouldn't know it because you got dollar signs for eyeballs and you're all a greedy bunch of sons of bitches. That's all you are. And as a fan, it sickens me and disgusts me to no end. So no, I don't feel bad about fucking WWE's position because Cody Rhodes tore his pec muscle. Cody Rhodes tore his pec muscle and WWE should already have the next guy to take his spot. Who is that? Nobody. Because of their lack of creative and laziness to create new stars. WWE knows what to do and they refuse to do it. Every single week, we see nothing but the same goddamn fucking shit over and over and over and over again. Somewhere in that fucking black and gold was your next major star. You killed it, you buried it, and now you're stuck with nothing. Now you're stuck with nothing. Ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. I don't know what else to tell you guys. This is not something new. These words out of my mouth, this is not a new revelation. I've been talking about this for years. And now after tonight, we got to see Cody Rhodes and a torn pec muscle that basically rendered him fucking useless tonight. And now he's going to be out. Who do they got? Who do they got? Do they call Joanna Hawaii to come back on Friday? Because they're certainly going to fucking need him for money in the bank. This obviously changes creative plans. This definitely changes creative plans. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with the creative plans now. Who knows what Cody Rhodes was doing? Who knows if we were supposed to see Bray Wyatt tonight? We may have very well seen Bray Wyatt tonight if Cody Rhodes was healthy. The tie-in between Cody and Wyndham, dating back to their days in NXT, is there. It doesn't even need to be told. It just happens. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. The shoe-in right there is so easy to tell. Who, who knows if he was supposed to come back or not, if Cody Rhodes was healthy. What does this mean for Money in the Bank? Cody Rhodes was advertised on the Money in the Bank advertisements. Was he scheduled to win Money in the Bank? Nobody knows. Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Does this now change the creative plans for Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns? I don't know. Roman Reigns obviously is holding both of those titles. Drew McIntyre already is challenged. Roman Reigns for both championships. Does this change things? I don't know. Could very well change a lot. Cody Rhodes, he could be out the rest of the year. WWE may have their 2023 Royal Rumble winner right there in Cody Rhodes. Comes out at number 30, a la John Cena back in 2000 and, uh, what, 2008? And then boom. He wins the Royal Rumble and he goes to main event WrestleMania. I want to look at a positive here. I want to try and find a positive. But I don't really know if there is one. Because WWE really hasn't set themselves up for there to be one. They've only buried the rest of the roster on top of the major stars, too, that they have. And now one is a part-timer and one's going to be on the shelf for the rest of the year. I'm sorry, I have no sympathy for WWE and what they are dealing with right now. Now, Cody Rhodes, I don't know when he tore the pec muscle. WWE is claiming that he got into the brawl with Seth Rollins. He tore the pec muscle partially and then lifted weights. This is what they said on social media. Then lifted weights and then the pec came off the bone. Why would he be lifting weights with a torn pec muscle? If Cody Rhodes had a partially torn pec muscle, why would he go and lift weights? I don't really get it. I think Cody Rhodes, if he tore partial pec muscle, he would knew or he would know that something fucked up. So he either lifted weights. This is what really happened. He probably was lifting weights and he completely tore off the bone in one fucking shot. I don't really know. I don't really know. WWE's claiming that it was a injury in the brawl with Seth Rollins and then he went to go work out and then tore the rest of the fucking pec off of his bone. I don't find that to be realistic whatsoever. If Cody Rhodes partially tore a pec, I don't think he'd go back in the gym and fucking go lift weights with a partially torn pec muscle. I think he'd know that he fucked himself up. Why would he go out there and purposely, completely rip the rest of the fucking muscle off the bone? So again, guys, I don't have any, I don't have any sympathy for WWE whatsoever. None. And I, I don't want you guys to have any sympathy for them whatsoever either. This is all they're doing. They got nothing but fucking shame and embarrassment with how they've handled things and what their roster looks like right now. I have no sympathy whatsoever for anybody in a management position because they just don't do what needs to be done. And with something this severe that happened, you'd think that they fucking learned their goddamn lesson. And we'll be right back here on Monday night and nothing will change and Cody Rhodes will be missing from Raw, and we get the same fucking show with nothing new, no sense of urgency, nothing. Nothing. 
I can't wait to see how they fuck this up going into Monday night. The rest of the show tonight, guys, it was basically Monday Night Raw on a Sunday night. Mad Cat Moss and Baron Corbin, no DQ match. We had a fun little six-person tag team match with Judgment Day and Team AJ with Finn Balor and Liv Morgan. And we had what was probably the best match of the entire night with Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. Triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. So we're going to go over the rest of the show tonight on Off the Script, guys. We got 3,800 people live tonight. I appreciate you all joining me, man. If you guys enjoyed my uh, take on the whole Cody Rhodes situation, let me know what you guys think via Super Chats. Man, Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I got 937 likes, but we got 3,800 people in the venue, man. Something's off there. Something is off there, man. I need at least 1,500 minimum on today's OTS Hell in a Cell post show. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Get your Super Chats in. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. We were uh, busy this week. Friday night, SmackDown and AEW Rampage. We talked about the CM Punk situation and the injury, the broken foot there coming out of Rampage on Friday, which was live. We talk about SmackDown and everything that happened on SmackDown, man. Go check that out. We did an extra on Saturday as well where AEW has erased MJF from all aspects of their company. Thunder Rosa also very frustrated with the company. We go over all of that. So if you missed any of that stuff, go and check all that stuff out. Follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206. I also got IG. Go follow me on Instagram, same at, at JD from NY206. Go get your t-shirts, man. Bonfire is the place, bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off the Script. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. Bluechew.com, code JD at checkout for your F-R-E-E. That is a free, absolutely free sample of their service. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Let's get into the Hell in a Cell card, man. We start off with the Raw Women's Championship match. This is Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and Asuka. Triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. Nearly went 20 minutes. Easily the best match of the entire night. And it had to be because they were going to be without five-star matchmaking machine, Cody Rhodes. And they needed to pick up the pace. They needed to pick up the slack for everything that was probably going to be missing from the main event due to Cody Rhodes' injury. Becky Lynch. I know you guys have heard me rant and rave about Becky Lynch. I think Becky Lynch is awful. I think this is the worst version of Becky Lynch that we've ever seen. I think the character is completely fucking awful. I think this is some of the worst character work in the history of WWE. Her promo is one of the worst in the business. But I will say this about Becky Lynch, man. So far, we've gotten some great Becky Lynch matches in 2022. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Becky Lynch... Honestly, her character work is fucking atrocious. But the in-ring work of Becky Lynch, I will say this, man. This is probably the best Becky Lynch in-ring that we've seen in her entire career. And that's the part that I really focus on a lot because 
it's easy to tell when someone has gotten better or if someone has gotten worse. And Becky Lynch has obviously gotten better. She had probably one of the best women's matches of the entire year with Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. And this is another match of the year candidate for WWE anyway on this night in this match with Bianca and Asuka. Now, the whole ordeal with Sasha Banks and Naomi, obviously there was supposed to be a six-pack challenge. The winner of the six-pack challenge was supposed to be Naomi. Naomi was supposed to wrestle Bianca Belair tonight at Hell in a Cell. Clearly, that did not happen. Becky Lynch then supposedly had pitched, why not her and Asuka for the chance to go wrestle Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell? So Asuka wins the match. She wins the right to wrestle Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell. This was a couple of weeks back. She beats Becky Lynch with a mist to the face, the green mist to the face. So we get a one-on-one match with Bianca Belair and Asuka. Great. Great. I'd love to see those two women go at it no, no matter what. Two great women's professional wrestlers, right? Everybody's like, oh, Becky Lynch, look, she loves the division. She wants to help the division. Becky Lynch. No, she don't. No, she don't. The, the very next week, she came back and she took that win away from Asuka. Becky Lynch pinned Asuka in a stipulation match where if she pins Asuka, she gets added to this triple threat match tonight, making it herself, Asuka, and Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. So right then and there, I knew exactly what was going on. Becky Lynch did not want Bianca Belair one-on-one at Hell in a Cell. Becky Lynch wanted Bianca Belair one-on-one at Hell at uh, Money in the Bank, not Hell in a Cell, at Money in the Bank or at SummerSlam. That's what she wanted. She wanted Becky versus Asuka to happen on Raw, and everybody think that Becky's for the division, only for her to take it back and then get added to this and not give Bianca Belair the one-on-one match at a D-level pay-per-view. No, 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 I'm Becky Lynch. I need to do it at SummerSlam. Or no, 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 I'm Becky Lynch. I need to do it at Money in the Bank. So what we got here is when Becky Lynch got added to this match with Asuka and Bianca Belair, I knew exactly what the outcome was going to be. Asuka was only added to this match in the end, and she was added to the match to take the pinfall. That was it. There was no other outcome for this match. Bianca Belair is not losing that championship, and Becky Lynch is not being pinned, because then that would automatically disqualify Becky Lynch from getting another title shot against Bianca Belair, and that's where they are leading for the Raw Women's Championship. So Oscar was only there to take the pinfall, which sucks. And I'll get I'll get back to that point in a second. This was an awesome match. Crowd was big time into Oscar. Crowd was big time into Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch came out looking just as cringe as she always looks. Whatever the fuck she's wearing, she thinks she's Lady Gaga all of a sudden. And I don't know who listens to that fucking garbage. I really don't. So Lynch, she started the match off and. She kind of took over in the beginning. She pulled Asuka out of the ring and climbed to the top rope. Belair cut her off and slammed her down to the mat. Asuka jumped off of Belair's back and caught Lynch with a nice-looking dropkick. Belair went for the KOD early, but Asuka broke free. Belair broke free of an armbar and power-bombed Asuka into the turnbuckle with a buckle bomb. Lynch jumped back in and slammed Asuka off of the top onto Belair. Asuka ended up on the apron and grabbed Becky Lynch. Lynch moved. Belair collided with Asuka at this point. Belair was hanging on to the middle rope, and Lynch hit a second rope leg drop for a near fall. Lynch was in control at this point. She hit the leg drop on Belair, 
Oscar broke up the pin attempt. Oscar ran wild with a backslide, two spinning back fists, which looked great, and a series of kicks and a release German suplex. Crowd went crazy, man. This, this sequence is exactly what I want to see out of Oscar, man. Oscar is so good when you allow her to do what she did here. And the fans love it. They love Oscar. But I just can't get behind the fact that she's always there to make everybody else look good. She had a terrible title run. She then got injured. It's been out for mostly a year. And now she's back and she's still getting the short end of the stick. Why? Instead of everybody else being on the same level, and no, they're not at the same level because clearly wins and losses matter, and wins and losses do come off and rub off in the way that they're supposed to. If you lose, you're a loser. If you win, WWE is giving you the win because they want you to be where they want you to be. Asuka taking the L here doesn't really bode well for Asuka and what WWE management thinks of when they want a really solid women's division. Asuka needs to start winning matches. She can't start losing every fucking match. She hasn't done much of anything since, been, since she's been back. Not one single fucking thing stands out outside of her fucking losses. So this was a beautiful sequence by Asuka. She hit a hip attack for a near fall. This is awesome chance. We're ringing out in Chicago. Belair recovered. She went for the KOD, but Lynch escaped the KOD. Belair caught Lynch with a vertical suplex, and she did squats. Or, or she was jogging in, in suplex position with Becky Lynch, one or the other. But it looked very impressive. Belair then hit a handspring moonsault onto Lynch and Oscar for a near fall. She tried to pin both of them, but did not get the pinfall. Belair avoided Oscar with a backflip off the middle turnbuckle. Oscar fought back, hit a codebreaker on Belair and Lynch. Oscar then got the ankle lock on both Lynch and Belair, so she tried to make both of them submit. They broke free, sent Oscar to the floor. Belair went for the KOD again, but Lynch escaped and hit a crossbody instead. Belair caught Lynch with a small package. She got a cover off the small package, only got a two count. Lynch recovered and hit the manhandle slam for a two count. So Belair kicked out of that. Oscar missed a hip attack late in the match, got caught in the ropes. Lynch locked on the disarm her, but Belair broke it up. Asuka and Lynch traded pin attempts at this point until Asuka got the Asuka lock applied. Belair jumped off the top rope to break up the Asuka lock, but she missed whatever she was coming off the top rope with. Then we get Lynch with a manhandle slam on Asuka. She had the match won because Belair was on the outside. Belair came in, pulled Becky Lynch off of Asuka, threw Becky Lynch to the outside, and pinned Asuka off of Becky's manhandle slam One, two, three, and that was it. Bianca Belair retains the title in what I thought was a very, very, very good, great opening match, triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. So Becky Lynch, she got the manhandle slam on Asuka, and Bianca Belair did exactly what Becky Lynch would have probably done in reverse if Bianca got the KOD on Asuka and Becky Lynch was on the outside. She probably would have done the same thing and thrown Bianca Belair to the outside and went and pinned 
Oscar off of uh, Bianca Belair's hard work and all of Bianca's effort to steal the title. So Bianca pulled one over Becky Lynch and did exactly what Becky Lynch should have done and would have done in that situation. Great match. Very predictable outcome. Very predictable situation with Asuka being in this match only to eat the L and take the pinfall. Don't like it. Asuka is way too good to be straddled in this bullshit with the Women's Championship while she is doing magnificent work and getting nothing in it for what she's doing. There's nothing of value here for Asuka. She's only there to make Bianca and Becky Lynch look good. Now, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Clearly, Asuka was pinned, and Becky Lynch was not. So Becky Lynch, more than likely on Monday night, and you can quote me on this, Becky Lynch is going to come out on Monday Night Raw, even though she didn't win the championship on Sunday night. She's going to come out and claim that she wasn't pinned because that's what typical, stereotypical, very lame and cringy heels do in WWE. Oh, I wasn't. My little hobbitses. Oh, you know, and and my precious. She's going to come out and claim that she lost, but she she didn't uh, get pinned in the match, Becky Lynch. And then that is going to lead to Bianca versus Becky Lynch at Hell in a Cell more than likely. I don't know what the outcome of that match would be because in that very same month, we got SummerSlam, and I just find it to be real poetic justice that Bianca Belair gets her victory back over Becky Lynch at SummerSlam and finally moves on from all of this Becky Lynch nonsense. What I'm afraid of is I'm afraid that WWE is going to erase all that Bianca Belair is doing right now at the Women's Championship Right now, which is nothing. I mean, she hasn't really done anything of value with the Women's Championship, but I have a feeling that WWE is going to take that title off of Bianca and put it back on Becky Lynch for whatever reason. I don't know why they would do that. I don't know what purpose that would make. You want Belair to lead the division as the younger talents. You had her put over at WrestleMania, not once, but twice, two years in a row, once with Sasha, one with Becky, only to take the title from her that very same summer. Why would you do that? I just have this weird feeling that WWE is going to do the same thing that they did with Bianca last year, this year, and put the title back on Becky, which would make no sense. Becky Lynch, if she's not chasing the championship, you got to ask yourself this question. Does WWE really have any solid plans for Becky Lynch outside of her chasing a championship? No. Becky Lynch, right before your very eyes, is turning into Charlotte Flair on Monday Night Raw. If she's not in the championship program or if she's not in a championship match, there basically is nothing for her to do. And this is the terrible fucking sequence of events that we just find ourselves in every single time. You you have to start paying attention to really understand what I'm saying. Every single time Becky Lynch is on TV, it's always in a title program. Always. Always. When she's champion, obviously, and when she's not champion, she's chasing the championship. No doubt about it. There really isn't anybody for Becky Lynch to really get involved with outside of a world championship. So I don't really get what we're doing. I don't understand what we're doing. It's more beneficial, and I don't know why I have this feeling that Bianca is going to lose the championship back to Becky Lynch. It doesn't make any sense to me. I hope that's not the case because Becky Lynch... Right now, holding the championship would only make the division worse. You'd go back and do the same thing you did this year where there's no competition for Becky Lynch. There's no good quality babyfaces to go up there and challenge Becky Lynch. 
And God forbid we get Becky as champion. The only baby face that's done anything of note, and she's won matches as of late, is Alexa Bliss. You don't want to see Becky Lynch as the heel champion going up against babyface Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship now, right? God forbid that is the fucking case. You don't want that. Come on, man. That just sounds fucking terrible. That sounds terrible. Bianca Belair as the champion is a lot better for the division. You got Bianca versus Rhea Ripley, which is a tailor-made feud for both of those women. You got Bianca Belair and a possible returning Bayley. They got unfinished business there as well. So why are we even contemplating, Bruce, about maybe, potentially, putting the title back on Becky Lynch? Lacey Evans, by the way, Lacey Evans, by the way, was moved to SmackDown, so no, she's not going to factor into anything. So this was a great match. I just don't know where they go, and I have this weird feeling that Becky Lynch is going to be the Raw Women's Champion again because you can call her Becky Charlotte Lynch. She might as well just turn herself into a fucking android like Charlotte Flair as well. Awful. Becky Lynch is awful. This match was great, but I don't really have any faith in WWE booking the women's division. And I'm assuming come Monday, uh, we will see Becky Lynch cry about getting a rematch because she wasn't pinned. Maybe they put her in money in the bank. I don't know. I would not give Becky Lynch or anybody like Becky Lynch money in the bank. We could see Alexa win money in the bank. We could see Oscar win money in the bank. We could see Bailey win money in the bank. Man, I'd like to see Bailey come back and win money in the bank. I think that would make everybody happy, honestly. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Bianca Belair retains the title in what I thought was the best match of the entire evening. They showed a Roman Reigns video package about his dominant reign. I don't know why. He's on SmackDown and the world champion, and he's not booked for the show. So why are we getting a Roman Reigns video package when we already know the dominance that Roman Reigns has had for the last 800 days as undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion? I don't give a shit about Roman Reigns. He's not on the show. We'll see him, hopefully, I'm assuming, on Friday now that Cody Rhodes is going to be gone and we are missing that number one guy in the company. Now all we got is Roman Reigns. MVP and Omos. MVP and Omos versus Bobby Lashley. They showed a rap video that MVP did on Bobby Lashley. I mean, if you guys want to go watch it, WWE Music's YouTube channel released it. I don't really care for it. I thought it was kind of lame. I thought this was a very cringy way to sell the hopefully last part of this feud but whatever the case may be, you may enjoy that type of thing. You guys can go check it out. They showed the rap video again in the pay-per-view pre-match segment. So that's what we were uh, subjected to on this evening, as if watching Omos wrestle wasn't bad enough. Two-on-one handicap match here. Bobby Lashley versus Omos and MVP. The casual Chicago audience tonight somehow enjoyed what they saw here. I, unfortunately... Uh, do not sit here with these same sentiments as the fine people of Chicago. So this match was absolutely, to me, a waste of fucking time. This match meant nothing coming in. The last previous encounters that these two men have had meant absolutely nothing to me or any of you, I'm assuming. Uh, you guys are just like me here and don't give a shit about this feud. Booker T, by the way, on the pre-show said that Omos is the future of WWE. Now, I don't know what Booker T is smoking. I don't know who paid him all the uh, amounts of money to say that live on air, but 
My goodness, man, you want to ruin your credibility, just go out there like Booker T and claim that Omos is the future of the wrestling business. I don't know what the fuck possessed anybody to say that live on air. You have to be a blithering idiot for uh, that to be said and for you to believe that. Omos has already hit his ceiling. He is as good as dead. There's nothing else that Omos uh, can do on this show and nothing else that we, the fans, want to see out of Omos. So, this match... I mean, I barely paid attention to this. I had my phone in, I had my phone in my hand and my head in my phone most of this match. But we got Lashley getting a very nice reaction from Chicago. Seemingly, it looks like he always gets a, a great reaction in Chicago. Huge Bobby Lashley chance. MVP teased starting the match, but tagged in Omos instead. Lashley had a very early advantage here before things turned around. MVP grabbed his leg in a distraction. Omos rocked Lashley with a big forearm. And the team of Omos and MVP took over. So MVP obviously tagged in when Bobby Lashley was uh, compromised, right? He was on his knees, and he took over because Lashley was in a weakened state. Lashley fought back on MVP, obviously, and knocked down Omos. He attempted a suplex, but Omos reversed and slammed him face first. Omos hit the snake eyes and a big splash in the corner. So he's obviously learning from Mark Calloway. MVP tagged back in. Imagine learning from The Undertaker, and you are still as bad as he is right now. It's amazing. It's amazing, man. Uh, Stealing Undertaker's moves there are are not going to change the tide as far as what people think of the mighty, oh, my. You know, nobody cares. Nobody cares. So MVP tagged back in after the snake eyes and the splash in the corner. Uh, Lashley was in trouble here. Big kick in the corner by MVP took him down. Omos ran around ringside. He gave us a wee He gave us the Strowman Express tonight, did Omos. I don't know why you would imitate the Strowman Express, but here we are. Omos ran around the ring and drove Lashley into the barricade, man. Not with the spear, not with a big shoulder tackle. It was one of those ring around the rosy fucking gaining full steam ahead, and he shoved him. On the barricade, and the barricade broke, man. It looked very lame. It looked very lame. If I was Omos, I'd throw my entire body weight at Bobby Lashley and make it look impactful. It's almost as if he shoved him as if he was at a fucking rock concert in a mosh pit, and then kaboom, the fucking barricade broke and fell down. Not impactful at all, but it's Omos. I'm not surprised he botched. So... MVP and Omos are looking to win by count out here. Bobby Lashley's got an eight, a nine. He gets back in at a nine and a half, and he makes it back in and beats the referee's count. So MVP is back in control here. Lashley knocked Omos off the apron. He then speared MVP. Omos broke up the pin attempt. Omos came back in and went for a choke slam, but out of nowhere, Cedric, future endeavored Alexander, came down the aisle. And he jumped in the ring. Omos caught him and threw him out. Lashley speared Omos and caught MVP in the hurt lock off this distraction. And MVP tapped out to Bobby Lashley and the hurt lock. Wow, man. I can't, what, a, what a match, man. Holy shit. I can't wait to go back and watch this match 16 fucking times, man, because I had such a great time watching it live as it happened. I hope to God. I hope to fucking Jesus Christ. I hope, listen, bro, I got cold beverages for you waiting down here, man. 
I, I don't get it. I hope to God this is over. Seriously. I hope, I hope, seriously, for all of our fucking sanities, that this feud is finally over. At the end of the match, Bobby Lashley took some poor schmuck's replica WWE title and ran around the ringside area with it, claiming that he wants the WWE title back. No. Now, we've been there, done that. Mr. Bobby Lashley. Nobody wants to see that again. I'm sorry. Bobby Lashley beats Omos, and hopefully this is the end of this absolutely god-awful feud with Omos. Kevin Owens. He went one-on-one with Ezekiel at Hell in a Cell. Yeah, WWE's roster is so great, man. They got some great fucking talent on the show, man. They got no roster problems, right? WWE's got no roster problems, man. When a fucking Ezekiel's making the goddamn show in a one-on-one match with Kevin Owens. I asked myself, how do we get to the conclusion of this Ezekiel-Kevin Owens storyline? Kevin Owens thinks Ezekiel is Elias. Ezekiel is claiming that he's the younger brother of Ezekiel. How does this end? WWE brought Ezekiel back after the Raw, or after WrestleMania, on the Raw after WrestleMania, and it's been the same tired, lame shtick over and over and over again. Thank God Kevin Owens is so great at what he does. He's made what was a funny storyline at the start uh, into a, I would say, it's not great by any means, but the only reason why it was watchable is because of Kevin Owens. This shit lasted maybe two weeks, and then I I just didn't give a shit about it. I mean, the lie detector skit was funny with Chad Gable and Otis, but outside that, man, it's tired and campy and it's lame. And the only way that this would make any sense is if Elias was on screen with Ezekiel, which can never be because Ezekiel is Elias. It will never be, unless WWE wants to fucking pull a double stunt and have Ezekiel in a backstage segment somewhere and Elias kind of photoshopped in a picture or or maybe CGI him in a fucking video of some sort. That's the only way this could end. This is the only way that it could end to prove that Kevin Owens is really going fucking crazy. So the match itself, I mean, if nobody gave a fuck about the storyline, I don't know why we would care about the match. The match was very subpar at best, and Kevin Owens is fucking great. Ezekiel, man, just like Elias, he's in there, and there really is no emotional investment in anything Ezekiel does. It's the same thing that plagued Elias. Elias had a great look. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Elias didn't have a great Elias had a great fucking look, but Elias, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, man, it's like washing paint dry. He was boring. There was nothing crazy about Elias, nothing really entertaining about Elias. All Elias was was a fucking decent guitar player who was interrupted every fucking time he wanted to shrum some notes for the WWE Universe. That's all he was. He was a fucking tired act that did the same guitar shtick over and over and over again. And WWE usually doesn't do well with the musical gimmicks. Here we have Elias, who's the younger brother, uh, or Ezekiel rather, is the younger brother of Elias, per se, in a match with Kevin Owens, and nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. So, the crowd obviously did not give a shit. They care about Owens, but they have no emotional investment, like I said, in Ezekiel. So, Ezekiel surprised Owens at the start with a jumping knee right at the bell. 
He followed up with a flying elbow for a near fall. Fans broke into a Zeke chant. They brawled around ringside. Owens took over after throwing Ezekiel into the ring post. Owens did a senton and a moonsault, a beautiful-looking moonsault off the second turnbuckle for a near fall. Owens went for a swanton. Ezekiel got his knees up. Ezekiel then fired back on Owens in the corner. He missed a big splash in the corner and hit a spine buster for a near fall. Ezekiel avoided a stunner. Owens scored a near fall off of a pop-up powerbomb. Owens then taunted Ezekiel, went for a stunner again, but Ezekiel rolled him up for a two-count. Ezekiel climbed the top ropes. Owens cut him off. He hit two super kicks as Ezekiel was kind of hanging off the top turnbuckle. And then he fell down to the mat. Owens then rolls into a cannonball into the corner on Ezekiel. Owens then hit the stunner. And the fans got excited for the finish here with the one, two, three, and the Stone Cold Stunner by Kevin Owens. And he finally vanquishes Ezekiel. Ezekiel, man, you know, they had Ezekiel in this match also do a big elbow drop on Kevin Owens, kind of playing up the fact that he looks like Macho Man Randy Savage with the tassels and the fucking trunks. Had him do the Macho Man elbow, legitimately, move for move, sequence for sequence, had him do the Macho Man elbow drop on uh, Kevin Owens tonight. He is nowhere in the same league at all, on the same planet, as Macho Man Randy Savage. And I don't really know what comes of Elias or Ezekiel after all of this. I'm with KO. This is Elias, and I'm with KO. I think everybody is fucking mental for getting behind this Elias bullshit, this Ezekiel bullshit. I don't know what comes of this, man. I would not be surprised if Ezekiel finds himself future endeavored. I don't know what is next for Ezekiel. I feel like this was only done for Kevin Owens and this storyline and anything else that comes of this. I don't know why anybody would care about Ezekiel feuding with anybody else not named Kevin Owens. Where do we go? Where do we go? Just more bullshit put on the show to fill hours of television that has no end in sight because WWE is incapable of writing a conclusion for this because they don't have the guy that everybody is claiming is this guy, Elias. They need Elias for a conclusion, and they don't have Elias. Judgment Day. This is Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley against AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. I was kind of looking forward to this match, but then kind of not. I just feel like the Judgment Day thing has not really hit at all on the main roster. I don't know what's going on right now with uh, the whole vibe of Judgment Day. I'm a fan of what's going on with Judgment Day. I just don't really get a sense that they've... And maybe they're waiting for something. Maybe this is just the introductory to Judgment Day, and there's bigger things planned, and Edge has a whole master plan ready to drop on everybody. I I don't know. Maybe they just need that one major feud for us to really invest our time in uh, what he's doing with Judgment Day. I enjoy Edge's work. I think Edge is a fucking master of his craft. There's nobody better, man. Right now, he may be the man on Monday night. He may be the best thing on Monday night now that Cody Rhodes is out. So you got Edge. He's taking Damian Priest under his wing. Damian Priest is... Never looked better on Monday Night Raw. I think he's looked better here with Edge than he's looked on his own. And Rhea Ripley, not really getting a sense of change in Rhea Ripley, but I'm hoping to see that as the weeks go on. I'd like to see Rhea Ripley really focus on going after Bianca Belair and the Raw Women's Championship, but that's up to WWE Creative if they could ever fucking move themselves away 
from the Becky Lynch narrative, which is going to be very difficult for them to do. They've been feuding with AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan for quite some time now, man, and I want to see them move on to something else. Edge has been teasing more additions to Judgment Day, whoever that may be. He's teased everybody from Corey Graves to Paige to Finn Balor, even AJ Styles himself, Tommaso Ciampa, Dominic Dijakovic, a.k.a. T-Bar. He's teased them all. He's teased them all. Who it's going to be? I don't know. I thought we'd see another addition on this night, and I thought we'd see another addition to Judgment Day, and that man might have been on the other team. I thought Finn Balor was going to join Judgment Day tonight. We did not get that whatsoever. We may end up getting it on Monday, and they saved it for Monday, but on this night, we did not get any more additions to Judgment Day. I thought this was a fun tag team match. I thought this was a fun six-person tag team match. Don't know with the outcome of this match where we go from here. Uh, seemingly something like this uh, would end the feud, maybe, but I don't really know where they go from here. And I hope that WWE has some really, really great shit for Judgment Day going on into the big Money in the Bank pay-per-view and even into SummerSlam, which I'll talk about in a second. But this was a fine match, fun match. Uh, outside of the Cody Rollins Hell in a Cell match and the triple threat match with the women, this was probably the best thing on the show. So all six of these people, we got all six individuals here facing off in the middle of the ring. They start punching each other. They start a big brawl, all six of them. They sent Priest, did AJ Finn and live. They sent Priest and Edge out of the ring. Styles and Balor launched Morgan into the air, and she caught Ripley with a her and Karana in a very nice-looking spot, man. Got to be impressed with Liv Morgan, man. Liv Morgan is really good. And I want to see more for Liv Morgan, too. Uh, hopefully, with her being paired with AJ and Finn, uh, WWE sees a little bit more value in Liv Morgan and the fact that she can hang in this major storyline with major names like Finn Balor and AJ Styles and Edge in this match. So I'm hoping the best for Liv Morgan coming out of all this Judgment Day storyline. Ripley took over with a nasty-looking headbutt that leveled Liv Morgan down. She followed with a delayed vertical suplex where she held up Liv Morgan for several seconds and then dropped her down. Morgan fired back with a beautiful-looking missile dropkick. Ripley rolled to her corner and tagged in Edge. Judgment Day took over, so Edge finally got in the ring. He beat Balor around ringside, slammed him on the announce table. And Judgment Day took over as Balor was isolated in their portion of the ring. Balor started to fight back, make a babyface comeback. Edge prevented the tag. Priest comes in. He hits a series of big kicks on Balor. Balor once again starting to fight back. He responded with a nasty knife-edge chop that resonated inside the Allstate Arena very loudly. It came off on television. And then a Pele kick that stunned him momentarily. Styles then gets the hot tag from Balor. Priest tags in Edge. So they get the hot tag at the same time. They go at each other. Styles ran wild and scored a near fall on Edge. Edge sent Styles onto the apron. He caught Priest with a running knee, and he hit the phenomenal forearm on Edge. Priest broke up the phenomenal forearm pin attempt. Morgan and Ripley tagged back into the match, so the ladies are going at it. They're trading uh, pin attempts back and forth. Uh, got a very nice reaction from the Chicago fans. Ripley hit a suplex for another near fall. Ripley then went for the riptide on Morgan, but Morgan escaped and tagged in Finn Balor. Morgan caught Ripley with a beautiful-looking DDT, and all six started brawling in the ring again. 
Styles and Balor hit planches onto Edge and Priest at ringside. Morgan followed up with a suicide dive on Rhea Ripley. Balor went for the coup de grace, but Ripley shook the ropes and knocked Balor off the top rope and crotched him on the top turnbuckle. Styles hit the phenomenal forearm on Priest to take him out. Edge tossed Styles out of the ring in a very, very nasty-looking spot through the turnbuckles. Doctors appeared to check on Styles. It looked like he got busted open there. Finish came when Balor went for the coup de grace, but Ripley stood in the way again because Balor is a gentleman and he will not hit a woman. Uh, So Morgan took out Ripley. They threw themselves out of the ring. Edge avoided Balor as he came off the top rope. Edge is up. Spear to Balor. One, two, three, and Judgment Day gets the victory. Fun match. Very fun match. I hope AJ is okay. It looked like he got busted open there towards the end, and the doctors went to go check on him. I don't know where we go from here, man. It looks like AJ and him teaming with Balor and Liv Morgan to try and take out Judgment Day, and even the odds here, was not in the cards for AJ Styles. Man, two things of note I really want to make mention here. Even though AJ and Edge have had a match now at WrestleMania, and we've gotten a second match at WrestleMania Backlash, and we got this six-person tag team match here, Hell in a Cell, I love both guys. Don't get me wrong. There's just something about the feud that's not really hitting for me right now. And and I don't really know what it is. Edge is a phenomenal heel. Everything Edge does is fantastic. It's one of the best men that they got on that entire roster in that entire company. But AJ, man, it may be stemming from AJ. I honestly think the way WWE has deteriorated AJ over the last several months... AJ does not feel like the superstar that everybody knows that he is. AJ hasn't really been in anything of value and anything of priority for many, 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 many months. And I honestly think that's starting to rub off of him and onto the fan base where we don't really have that emotional tie in AJ Styles the way we used to because we get a sense that WWE doesn't really see him as the guy we see him as. And I don't think that's right. You have one of the best pro wrestlers on the entire planet and AJ Styles, and he feels like everybody else. He feels like a glorified mid-card act. Meanwhile, AJ should now, especially with Cody being out, be looked upon to carry the load on Monday night, and you're not giving him the opportunity to do that. I find that to be very wrong. I find that to be very, very wrong. Now, the other thing I want to mention is Edge. Clearly, he is now vanquished, AJ, and there's nothing really else for Edge to prove. There's nothing more for Edge to do. He's beaten AJ, he's beaten Liv, he's beaten Balor. We may see Balor turn on Monday there's rumors that Balor could be the next member of Judgment Day. Tommaso Ciampa, T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic. We don't know. We don't know. But Judgment Day needs something substantial to take whatever they're doing right now, which is honestly middle of the road. There's no real emotional investment in there. They need somebody big to really get their message across. They need something to really sink their teeth into and focus on a bigger name that's not AJ Styles because WWE's withered him down to nothing. They need John Cena. And this is what I'm doing for SummerSlam. 
I know there's a lot of rumor right now that Austin Theory's calling out John Cena and that Austin Theory may challenge John Cena at SummerSlam and that Austin Theory is a mini John Cena and Vince looks at Austin Theory as the next coming of John Cena, whatever the case may be. Fine. You could do that match anytime. You could do that match anytime you want. What I think is the right move is if you're going to bring John Cena back for a major show, major stadium show, that WWE, I believe next week, is putting tickets on sale for SummerSlam. You really want a major star attraction for SummerSlam. I'm doing John Cena versus Edge. I'm doing John Cena feuding with Judgment Day. Whatever Judgment Day's mission statement is and whatever their fucking, their core storyline is, whatever their, uh, their, their whatever, you know, I don't know what the fuck they're about or what their mission statement is or what their end goal is. Whatever their end goal is should be somebody like John Cena. I think John Cena should come back and feud with Edge. I think Edge right now, if you want to name John Cena's top three opponents of all time, it's Edge, CM Punk, and Randy Orton in no particular order. I honestly think Edge versus John Cena at SummerSlam, John Cena versus Judgment Day is the right way to go about that. With Edge getting his mission statement and his group over on John Cena, elevating them to the next level. And maybe we see a new addition into that group, and we get Judgment Day feeling a little bit more important going into second, uh, you know, SummerSlam, the second biggest WWE show of the year. So we'll see what happens there, man. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. I would, uh, I would hold off on Austin Theory and John Cena. I would wait to do that at WrestleMania. I think that's a big spot for Austin Theory. I think you do that then. You don't need to do that right now. If you want to bring John Cena back for a WrestleMania, that is a prime opponent for him to put over Austin Theory on the biggest stage. So I think you do Cena Edge at SummerSlam and then Cena Theory at WrestleMania. Let me know what you guys think about that. Moving on into the possible next feud for Judgment Day uh, after they took care of AJ Styles and Finn Balor along with Liv Morgan tonight. Madcap Moss. He went one-on-one with Happy Corbin. This was the lone SmackDown match of the entire evening. Michael Cole was on commentary for this match. No Pat McAfee on this night because why fly in Pat McAfee? Why would Pat McAfee want to be there if there was no SmackDown uh, representation on this show? So I think Pat McAfee made a great uh, call in not flying into Chicago for SmackDown's lone match, which was Baron Corbin and Matt Cat or Happy Corbin and Matt Cat Moss. The no holds barred stipulation behind this match was fine. I mean, I don't really care about Happy Corbin. I don't care about this feud. The only thing that I really care about here is Madcap. And that's the only thing I care about, man. I think Madcap is somebody that I could find myself getting invested in. They brought him back on Friday night. They had a little angle. It was a match. It ended in DQ, but nobody really cares. It was more of an angle and a setup for tonight than a match on Friday night. But they had Madcap come out of the back of an ambulance. He wore black trunks, and he had no suspenders, and he had this very serious tone to him. Um, You know, there were a couple of guys in the annals of WWE history that wore nothing but black boots and black trunks, and they went on to have... uh, Semi-decent careers. You guys know who I'm talking about. By the way, fuck Bill Goldberg. Uh, He's one of them for sure. The other one is Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously. But Madcap looks great. He looks like a creative fucking wrestler out of WWE 2K22, but he looks great, man. He's got the body type that they're looking for. 
Uh, he is not a bad-looking guy. He's not bad in the ring. And I think Madcap, if WWE gave you any sense that they were getting behind Madcap, I think Madcap could really be something great in WWE. Now, they may have to tweak his image a little bit. I think the, the, the generic look is a little bit too generic. I think the theme music is a little too generic. Uh, maybe they kind of tweak those things a little bit because those are two big, important aspects of a pro wrestler's presentation. But as far as what I see, man, I, I like a lot of what Matt Cat brings to the table. I really do. And Paul Heyman was big on him way before he was, you know, uh, Matt Cap when Riddick Moss was called up to the main roster. You know, a lot of people might not, not, might not like the name. You know, a lot of people might not like the name. Mad Cap Moss. I, I don't know why WWE is continuing with Mad Cap if he shed the entire gimmick, why he's still keeping the name. I don't know. I think Riddick Moss is a lot better than Mad Cap Moss. And like I said on Friday, man, when I did the SmackDown post show, I, I've been a big fan of Riddick Moss for a long time, man. Even back to his days in NXT when he was a tag team with Tino Sabatelli. If you guys remember Tino Sabatelli. Uh, I thought they were a great-looking tag team, and Riddick Moss was even uh, a decent act there. They wanted to get behind him there, but he was, you know, he was injured. They broke up that tag team. He got injured. He was a solo act. He got injured. So he's had a nice little string of bad luck here. This seems to be the biggest push of his entire life, and he seems to be getting some of the right people behind him backstage. And if they put some effort into him, he could really be something good, honestly. They put just a little bit of effort, and they're going to need to. They're definitely going to need to. If they put a little bit of effort into him, he could be something really good. Start him off small. I wouldn't put the fucking rocket pack on him and shoot him to the moon, but put the rocket pack on him, and slowly but surely, just elevate him slowly but surely and get him some nice momentum. Give him some nice momentum and have him be a guy that we could look at on Friday nights as being one of the possible future pieces of the company. They got that in him. I don't know if they really realize that. Baron Corbin, Happy Corbin, whatever the fuck you want to call him, is one of the most dull, boring acts on television. He is a good heel when he wants to be a good heel, but Jesus fucking Christ, I don't know how anybody could legitimately give a shit about Baron Corbin. So Moss sent Corbin to the floor with a clothesline. They brawled up the ramp. Corbin took control of the match when he sent Moss into the big LED panels on the stage. They fought back to the ringside area around the announce desk. Moss tried to use a chair, but Corbin threw it away. Corbin tossed Moss over the announce desk. He then recovered, uh, Moss did, and threw Graves' uh, announce chair at Corbin. So the fans all of a sudden broke into a We Want Tables chant because that's exactly what the fans wanted in this no DQ match. So Corbin took over and teased pulling out a table, and then he stopped because Baron Corbin is a prick and he's not going to give you a table because you asked for it. Corbin is not going to give you a table because he's the heel. So he was playing his role uh, like he should here. So Corbin hit a choke slam and grabbed the chair from underneath the ring. The fans booed that he grabbed the chair instead of the table. Corbin beat down Moss with the chair and hit him in the neck. Fans broke into a, another loud We Want Tables chant. Corbin recovered and hit a deep six for a close two counts. Corbin then went for uh, some foreign objects underneath the ring again, and he pulled out another chair, and the fans once again booed him heavily because he did not give them the table that they wanted. So Moss sent Corbin into the chair to take over. He beat Corbin down with the chair, eventually at the end of the match, hitting a big DDT on said chair for two-count 
Corbin regained control with the chop block at ringside. They sold his NFL background. He beat Moss around ringside as the fans continued to chant for the fucking table. That's all they wanted in this match because that's how little the fans cared about this fucking match. Corbin wrapped the chair around Moss's neck and drove him into the announce desk. Corbin then set up half of the steel steps, threw the steel steps into the ring. He set up half of the steel steps against the turnbuckle inside the ring. Moss reversed whatever move Corbin was going to do and gave Corbin a fallaway slam into the steel steps. He followed up with his punchline finishing move, wrapped a steel chair around Corbin's neck. Moss then picked up the steel steps that were in the ring and pilmanized Corbin's neck, just like Corbin did to Moss with the trophy a couple of weeks back. And that was it. One, two, three, after Moss pilmanized Corbin's neck with the steel chair and the steel stairs. One, two, three, Mad Cat Moss wins the match. After the match was over, Corbin had the medical team check on him and they started putting a big neck brace around his neck and they took him off of the mats and away from the ringside area. Pretty paint-by-numbers here. Nothing uh, nothing really uh, all that exciting. But uh, Moss gets the victory, and hopefully, just like Omos and Bobby Lashley, we are moving on from the madcap and happy Corbin storyline. Where we go from here, I don't know. SmackDown sucks. U.S. title. Austin Theory versus uh, Mustafa Ali. Austin Theory is the United States champion, and Mustafa Ali is the Chicago native. This is his hometown uh, return to Chicago. Did you think Mustafa Ali was going to win the match tonight and win the United States Championship and pin Austin Theory in his hometown of Chicago? <laughs> oh, man, you guys are some fucking comedians, man. You guys, uh, you guys really uh, have high hopes in WWE to do the right thing, right? No. Give me a break. If WWE knows that you are the hometown guy, more than likely they are booking you to lose. But even on this night, it doesn't matter what city they were fucking in. Mustafa Ali was going to lose anyway. Now, I get, and some people tend to think that I don't know, but I know better than most. I, I know Austin Theory is not going to lose the United States Championship. I know Austin Theory is not going to lose that United States Championship for a very long time. And Ali is certainly not going to be the one to take the title from Austin Theory. But the thing is, you know, I, I remember Fightful and a bunch of other dirt sheets claiming that WWE brought Mustafa Ali back with a plan. <laughs> what plan, man? What plan was it for Ali, man? The only plan for Ali being brought back to television was to bury and embarrass Mustafa Ali, man. Give me a break. Come on. They brought back Ali because they needed yet another warm body to get over one of their chosen ones in Austin Theory, man. Give me a break with this shit. Mustafa Ali never had any plans. Mustafa Ali is never going to win a fucking title. I, I doubt he ever wins a fucking match again that really means anything. This was his first pay-per-view match in two years, I believe. It may have been longer than that. I don't know the statistics. Somebody find that about me, man. Um, I, I don't really get why anybody thinks that Ali has a plan here in WWE. This guy has been fucking embarrassed in every situation they have put him in since he's come back. I don't know why you would think Ali has a plan. The only plan was for him to be buried. And that's exactly what they've done here. 2AT is bury Ali. 
So the match itself wasn't bad. I mean, I just don't, I find myself not really caring because I knew the outcome before the match was even made. So Theory had an early advantage with a side headlock. Ali hit a sliding drop kick and a flying crossbody to the floor. Ali, you know, he's the hometown guy. He didn't really get a big hometown ovation here in Chicago. So, you know, I don't know if Vince and WWE management, I don't know if they're paying attention to these lukewarm reactions that Ali's getting, but when whenever the budget cuts happen, whenever the next round of budget cuts happen, I would not be surprised to see Mustafa Ali on that budget cut list. I really do. I really do think he's going to be on there. Anyway, Ali is hitting this dropkick, big flying crossbody. Theory tossed Ali into the ring steps to take over the match, so he was in control. Ali then climbed to the top rope, but Theory shoved him to the ringside area down below. And Theory slowed the pace down with a chin lock. And fans were uh, giving us a lukewarm Ali chant. Ali fought back, caught Theory with a spinning heel kick. He took over with a rolling neck breaker. Theory pushed him off the top rope. When he went up top, Ali landed on his feet. He grabbed his knee and tried to hit a super kick on Theory. Theory recovered and hit a version of his uh, of a Spanish fly, that little springboard seated Spanish fly that he does. And he floated over some ground and pound on Austin Theory. So he did that, which was very nicely done. Ali then started to fight back and climbed to the top, but Theory cut him off. Theory went for the A-Town down, but Ali reversed it into an STF. Theory fought back, made it to the ropes. Ali hit a beautiful tilt-to-whirl DDT as he was stuck in the ropes, was Theory. Uh, He climbed back up top again. He went for a 450 splash. Chop block. Actually, he missed the 450 splash. Austin Theory with the chop block, and then he followed up with the A-Town down. Uh, which is, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It looks like it's more of a, I would say, uh, not STF, um, a a go-to-sleep, but it's his version of a go-to-sleep, and that's what he calls the A-Tile down. That is his finishing move. One, two, three, and Austin Theory pins Ali and retains the United States Championship. No surprise here. No surprise whatsoever. Ali, you know, was given this opportunity, and Austin Theory on this night beats him clean in Chicago, his hometown, Uh, I honestly think that this is now finished for Ali and what is there for him to do now that he is no longer going to be embarrassed or at least should not be embarrassed any longer by Austin Theory. You mean to tell me that WWE has something planned for Ali after they buried him and embarrassed him against Austin Theory? No. I'm surprised he even makes the show tomorrow night. Austin Theory wins and that surprises nobody as he retains the United States Championship. Hell in a Cell. WWE had one Hell in a Cell match all night, which I'm pleasantly surprised by. Normally, if WWE's booking Hell in a Cell, they got one for the women, they got one for the men, they got three Hell in a Cell matches. We've seen in the past upwards towards three Hell in a Cell matches on the same night. Talk about fucking overkill. Hell in a Cell structure started to come down. The cage is still red, by the way. One of the worst creative decisions in WWE history is that they made this cage, this this cell, red. Still got the red cell. I don't know why. The old cell color was the best version of the Hell in a Cell. Told you guys about Cody Rhodes. If you guys want my thoughts on Cody Rhodes and everything that this potentially is going to be for WWE, you guys can go back and listen to it in the beginning of the podcast tonight. I don't want to go over everything that I said, but uh, the gist of it was 
Cody Rhodes supposedly got a torn pectoral muscle, half-torn pectoral muscle, with the brawl that he and Rollins had on Monday, and then uh, supposedly went to go lift weights and then completely tore the pec muscle off the bone, which I, I don't really buy. He was probably working out and something fucked up there and he tore the pec muscle completely off the bone. And he was injured before this match even took place. Everybody was wondering what was going on, what's Cody's status, blah, blah, blah. We get to this, this match and nobody knows what's going to happen. If he's going to wrestle a full match, if it's going to be a, a one, two, three, you know, a quick affair. Are we going to see Bray Wyatt, which was heavily rumored? I read a report claiming that uh, the aftermarket tickets here were fucking through the roof price-wise because everybody anticipated Bray Wyatt to come back either tonight or tomorrow uh, for Monday Night Raw. So we didn't know what to expect here with Cody Rhodes. So Rollins comes out, and Rollins is dressed in Dusty Rhodes polka dots, which was brilliant. Seth Rollins is doing the best work of his career. I say this all the time. Rollins right now is doing the best work of his career, uh, and we've seen a lot of great from Seth Rollins. My favorite Seth Rollins was back, I believe, in 2000. It might have been 2017, 2018, when he was the Intercontinental Champion. My God, man, the Intercontinental title hasn't felt the same since uh, Seth Rollins' uh, great run with the IC title there, really bringing that workhorse mentality back to the championship. This is the best version of Seth Rollins that we've gotten uh, ever. So he wore dusty polka dots, which was great. And Cody Rhodes then comes out. He does his entrance. Cody Rhodes usually lifts his arms up in the entrance ramp or on the entrance ramp during his ring entrance as the pyro goes off and the smoke is all there. Big uh, over-the-top entrance for Cody Rhodes. He only lifted his left arm. He did not lift his right arm. So I was curious about that. I'm like, up. Oh. you know, a lot of people thinking this uh, potentially could be a work. WWE, you know, uh, would, uh, I don't think, go out there and work a completely torn off the bone pec muscle. So he didn't lift his, his left arm, or his right arm, rather, for the, uh, for the entrance. He only lifted his, uh, his left arm. So he gets into the ring, and we got Justin Roberts making the ring introduction. Uh, Seth Rollins is there. He's taking off his uh, polka dot uh, jacket or shirt, whatever he was wearing. And, and Cody Rhodes, during the ring entrance by Justin Roberts, is still wearing his coat. He was very hesitant to even take off his coat. When he took off, of his, when he took off his coat, and his coat was completely off, one of the nastiest things that I think I've seen in a very long time, there was a sudden hush over the Chicago crowd, man. And it takes a lot to really go out there and bring a, a crowd like Chicago, which is a great wrestling town, to dead silence, man, and in the state of shock and awe. Seven minutes went by when this match started, and there was just this eeriness in the crowd where they were, they were fucking... I don't know if it was Chicago being disgusted or, or morbidly just fucking out of it, because of the way Cody Rhodes looked, it just felt off, man. It really just felt off. And I was even at a point asking myself, I, 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 I can't even look at him like this. Why am I looking at him like this? But I said before, man, Cody Rhodes is a testament to how great that man is, man. He is probably the toughest son of a bitch you could see walking God's green tonight. Torn pec muscle completely off the bone. 
Goes to show you how much this means to him being back here. The mission statement that he's embarking on for himself and his family and his father. And how this means to him, man. He doesn't want to let us down. You know what this means to him? He didn't want to let us down. He didn't want to let Vince down. He didn't want to let anybody down tonight, man. Cody Rhodes putting himself in fucking serious harm's way to make sure everybody else's bases were covered. Our bases as a fan base, Seth Rollins, Vince McMahon, the company. Look at what Cody, look at the selfishness. Uh, on, uh, you know, the, self, the, the, the selflessness uh, of Cody Rhodes. Not selfishness, selflessness of Cody Rhodes to go out there and make sure everybody else was covered and he went out there in the condition he was and he did what he did. It's amazing. I don't know how anybody could look down on Cody Rhodes after tonight. You, you got to be mental to look down on Cody Rhodes. I look down on WWE for allowing this man to go out there because of what happened. They, they needed him to go out there. They had no other choice but for him to go out there. He knew that they needed him. Without him, they got no fucking show. This is what you get when you build an entire fucking show around one goddamn match. I'm thinking to myself when this match started, man, this is not going to be anywhere close to a Hell in a Cell match. If Cody was not hurt and Cody was 100%, we probably would have got one of the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time. All time. I can't even begin to imagine what Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes probably had planned for this match. So we got half of what we should have gotten tonight because of Cody Rhodes' injury. But still ended up being a fantastic match. Which goes to show you how great Cody Rhodes is. So, every, they both worked incredibly hard, man. Cody, I can't even, I don't even want to even imagine what Cody Rhodes was going through. So, we got loud Cody chants. Cody Rhodes got a big ovation. Commentators discussed Cody Rhodes' injury. They went over exactly what happened here. Like I said, Cody Rhodes took off his jacket. Big, giant purple bruise up and down the right side of his chest and his body. Rollins went after the injury immediately, but Rhodes broke free. He hit the Cody cutter, but it hurt Rhodes to hit the Cody cutter. It looked like a half-assed Cody cutter. Rhodes locked on the figure four leg lock. Rollins pulled himself to the apron and pulled out a kendo stick from underneath the ring. Rollins attacked Rhodes' injury with the kendo stick, which is absolutely just inhumane at this point, man. Rollins was taking this kendo stick and bashing him in the chest with it and then taking the tip of the kendo stick and driving it into his chest. Now, I don't know how drugged up Cody Rhodes was. I don't know what he was feeling or if he was feeling every, anything. He might have been numb like a fucking mummy on Sunday night, man. I have no idea. No idea. But that's what he was doing. Seth Rollins was taking a fucking kendo stick to Cody Rhodes' chest. Rhodes ended up on the apron. Rollins pushed him off into the cage. Rollins rubbed Cody Rhodes' face into the cell. Rhodes started to fight back. And there was light Cody chance uh, inside all of the fucking just morbid just feeling in that arena. There were some Cody chants thrown in there. Rollins was in control and hit Rhodes with the steel steps. Rollins pulled out underneath the ring a yellow polka-dotted weight belt. And this sick son of a bitch took the weight belt and smashed the weight belt across Cody's chest, man. My fucking God. Holy shit. So the fans were singing Rollins' theme song. At this point, Rollins whipped Cody Rhodes with the belt. He went for a near fall off the whipping. 
Rollins pulled out a table to a huge pop. Thank you, Seth Rollins chants in the crowd, because finally the crowd got what they wanted. All they wanted was a fucking table and a thank you Rollins chant from Chicago. Rollins set up the table in the corner. He went for a superplex, but Rhodes slipped out and attempted a powerbomb, but he could not lift Rollins up with the obviously torn pec muscle. Rollins took over, placed Rhodes on the table. Rollins went for a big frog splash. He crashes and burns through the table. Rhodes moved out of the way. Rollins crashed through the table. Crowd went crazy. Rhodes then pulls out a bull rope from underneath the ring. So we got a fucking uh, bull rope match in this Hell in a Cell match. He demanded that Rollins put on the bull rope. He starts yelling as he puts the bull rope on himself. Put it on, put it on, put it on. And Rollins put on the bull rope. Rhodes locked Rollins, uh, rock Rollins with a super kick. Cracked him with the cowbell right in the fucking skull for a two count. Rollins used the rope to pull Rhodes into the ring post. Rollins was bleeding, I'm assuming, because he cut himself with the bull rope. That's what I'm assuming he got cut open by and busted open by right on his arm. It looked nasty. Rollins took off the rope, pulled out a second table from underneath the ring. Rollins set up the table in the corner, but Rhodes started to fight back. Rhodes attempted another powerbomb on the table, but Rollins countered. Rollins then hit a running powerbomb on the table, and Cody went through a fucking table. I swear to God, man, when Cody took the powerbomb through this table, he shriveled up into a ball and again, I can't even imagine what this man was thinking, man. He's like, what the fuck am I doing here, man? He, he shriveled up into a fucking ball, did Cody Rhodes, as he got powerbombed through this table. I, I don't really understand it. I don't get it. The guy is not human. So this is awesome. Chance started to break out. Rollins pulls out another item from underneath the hardware store, a.k.a. ring, a sledgehammer. So the sledgehammer is synonymous with Triple H and the sledgehammer is synonymous with Cody because Cody destroyed the throne at uh, double or nothing all those years ago, right? With the sledgehammer. Rhodes, he then uh, takes the sledgehammer from Rollins, hits a pedigree on Rollins, goes for a cover, and he only gets a two count. So Rhodes picked up the sledgehammer. Rollins ran away from Cody Rhodes because he had the sledgehammer. Rhodes went after him. Rollins hit a stomp upon entering the ring, and he went for another near fall. Only got a two count. Very close two count, but a two count nonetheless. Rhodes avoided another stomp, but Rollins hit crossroads. Rhodes then no-sold Seth's crossroads and hit crossroads on Rollins of his own for a near fall. Rhodes and Rollins then after this crossroads ran for the sledgehammer. Rhodes got, got to it first. He couldn't use it because of the torn pack muscle. Rhodes recovered, hit two more crossroads. He picked up the sledgehammer, hit Rollins in the face with it for a win, and Chicago popped big for Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes celebrated in the ring. We saw the trademark logo in the bottom right of the screen, watching at home on Peacock. There was a prolonged Cody Rhodes camera shot where he was... Obviously wincing in pain and celebrating and WWE left the cameras rolling on Cody. I thought something was going to happen being that this is the old Tommaso Ciampa trick where Ciampa used to have the trademark logo show up and then he used to do something at the end of TakeOver back in the day. Oh man, I miss TakeOver. That was the Tommaso Ciampa special back during NXT Black and Gold. We got nothing. And the show went off the air with Cody Rhodes wincing in pain as he beats Seth Rollins, one, two, three, with the sledgehammer shot. 
And that was the end of the show. If you guys want my thoughts on it, go back and check out everything, man. I, I don't know how, how much better I could put it for you here. You know, WWE should be ashamed that they put themselves in this situation. If they don't learn their lesson from this, I, I don't think that they ever will. Sending Cody Rhodes out there was completely irresponsible. If Cody Rhodes was even worse off after this match or, you know, with the injury uh, or anything regarding the injury, WWE was going to put themselves in a very liable situation. Um, it also doesn't look good on the company because it really kind of exacerbates everything that CM Punk said about the company way back in the day about how they treat their performers doesn't really look good on the company for sending Cody Rhodes out there, and it kind of makes everything that CM Punk claimed that the company is ring true. Uh, WWE was really irresponsible, and they sent Cody out there. Even though Cody is his own man, and probably, I'm not saying that Cody, you know, going out there was the right move. Uh, it wasn't, but, I mean, Cody Rhodes is going to do what Cody Rhodes wants. If Cody Rhodes wants to wrestle, Cody Rhodes is going to wrestle with a fucking torn peck. He's a grown man. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think Cody Rhodes would have had it any other way. That's just the type of performer that he is, which goes to show you how great Cody Rhodes is. Is not only a performer, but a fucking human being, man. Like I said, he covered everybody else's bases tonight but his own. But WWE was incredibly irresponsible tonight. And WWE has only themselves to blame. This is what you get for putting all of your eggs in one basket for a pay-per-view that really shouldn't have no business on fucking television. It was a lame, half-assed pay-per-view that you really didn't need to have on Sunday night tonight. You put Cody Rhodes out there in a very, very, very irresponsible spot because you had no other choice because he was the only other top act booked for the show, being that Roman Reigns was not on this card. This is your problem. This is your fault. You should be ashamed, and you should be embarrassed. Is WWE going to learn the lesson of their ways? No. Now with Cody being out, now WWE has an even bigger problem on top of the problem that we already knew they had with the shortage of individuals on their roster that are top names. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Something needs to be done. An executive decision needs to be done. Something needs to be done to shake things up and bring some level of excitement to the fucking show. Because without Cody Rhodes, who was easily the best thing on fucking television week in and week out since he's come back, I don't know what the fuck you're going to do on Monday night. And who knows how long Roman Reigns is going to be out? Who the fuck knows if he's going to be at Money in the Bank? We don't know. We don't know. They have some fucking questions that need to be answered, man, and they need to look themselves in the mirror about how they're going to address this situation because after tonight, WWE is floating up shit's fucking creek. And they only have themselves to blame. This should have never happened tonight. They should have never been in this position tonight. Shameful. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this Sunday night, early Monday morning, man. We're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second, man. We had 3,500 in the venue. 3,600, I believe, was the top, right? 3,600 tonight, easily number one. Easily number one in the community, man. I don't know who the fuck. I mean, who are you watching tonight, man? You ain't watching those other fucking geeks. You're right here on OTS, man. As always, I appreciate you guys for joining me on your Sunday nights, wherever you may be, man. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. We are 107 likes away from 1,500. Can we get to 1,500 tonight? Super chats are open. Get them on in. 
Tonight's show sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout, man. Guys, confidence. Confidence is what took Cody Rhodes tonight into that hell in a cell. Also, intestinal fortitude. But confidence took him into that hell in a cell and made him overcome the most dangerous of odds. Confidence can also take you guys far in life, man. Seriously, far in life and also far in the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night, and you can plan ahead whenever that opportunity arises. The process is very simple. BlueChew.com, sign up. You consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you guys are approved, you're going to receive the prescription in days, man. The best part, again, it's all done online. No doctor's office, no awkward conversations with strangers, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they are prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package, man. You know, I always talk about first impressions. First impressions are very important, man. You only get one. You can have a first impression, and you can have a lasting impression, man, but I don't see people talking about those lasting impressions. That's where Blue Chew comes in, man. If you guys can benefit from that extra confidence when it counts, when it's time to perform, why not give Blue Chew a try? Everybody listening, man, you get a special offer tonight. Blue Chew, you're getting for free. Sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to use code JD at checkout. Free sample. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast right here for the Hell in a Cell 2022 version. Host show right here on Off the Script. Guys, let's get into the Super Chat, man. Starting with Jake Coyle. $2 Super Chat. What, which Jaws sequel was your favorite, if any? Two. Three was one of the worst movies I have ever watched, and I have a fondness for Jaws the Revenge, man. It was utterly ridiculous, and the shark looked completely fucking fake at that point, but there was just something about that movie, man, that I really enjoyed. I don't know what it was, man. It, it, it sucked so bad that I enjoyed it, man. Anytime it's on, I always watch Seriously. My favorite movie of all time, man. The original Jaws. Michelle Moran with a Tadal Super Chat. With Cody Hurt, think Vince made a call to Canada. Who is he calling in Canada? Brock Lesnar? Probably. ECW Hardcore 07 with a $2 Super Chat. Mad respect for Cody Rhodes working this match. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. Hell in a Cell was a fun pay-per-view. 5 out of 10. Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, match of the night. Yeah, if you wanted to tell me that was match of the night, I'm not going to argue with man. I enjoyed the women a little bit more. I enjoyed the women a little bit more. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Kudos to Seth. He helped Cody put on a decent match. For all that we are saying about Cody, man, Michelle is right. We, we got to give Cody his uh, obviously deserves uh, his just due. And Seth Rollins, man. Seth Rollins deserves just as much credit, if not more, than Cody. He put on one hell of a match, man. And he really showed what type of professional he is to give Cody 
the mash that he did and keep Cody, uh, hopefully, from uh, further injuring himself. So, kudos to Seth Rollins as well. Tony Brown, what a 499 Super Chat. Cody is the man, says Tony Brown. Tony Brown, you know it, brother. You know it, man. I know you usually like your booty meat, bro, but uh, we have Bianca on tonight's show. So there was at least some booty meat for my boy, Tony Brown. Hopefully we'll get, and Rhea Ripley, I guess, right? And there was some booty meat on the show for Tony Brown. Obviously, you got to get your booty meat on Wednesdays. That's where uh, the most of uh, the booty meat's coming in. Dave Callahan with a Canadian $10 Super Chat. I'd love to see Cody win the Royal Rumble and win the WWE title from Roman at WrestleMania 39. I think it would be incredible storytelling and a match. Rock versus Roman is more of just a spectacle like the last Cena match. Yeah, I mean, I would I would rather see Cody versus Roman at Mania than Roman versus Dwayne, but I don't think that's going to be. If WWE's got Dwayne, they're going to use Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. Kyle Owens with a 1999 Super Chat. Love the show, JD. I acknowledge the king of the IWC. Cody Rose is an absolute beast. To even step in the ring with that injury is amazing. Props to Rollins, too, for taking care of Rhodes throughout the match. Absolutely, Kyle. Absolutely, Kyle. You, you nailed it, brother. Thank you so much, man. Also, guys, how did my mic sound, man? I know there was uh, a little static... Or maybe I was uh, breaking up a little in the intro while I was sitting in the in the stang. Did everything rectify itself throughout the show? I think it only happens when I put my mouth way too close to the microphone. So let me know what you guys thought about that. Uh, Jedi Joke with a $10 Super Chat. I honestly was expecting Bray to get revenge on Seth for Hell in a Cell in Saudi since Cody is hurt. But in my opinion, that Cody-Seth match was fantastic. Definite match of the year candidate for me in WWE. I don't think I wanted to see Bray and Rollins inside Hell in a Cell again, man. Thank you, Hooligram. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, Gary, the new man with a $20 Super Chat, brings tears to my eyes seeing Cody come out hurt. Knowing damn well he only did because WWE literally had nothing else to replace him with. Cody Rhodes, man. If anybody ever shows that man any disrespect, man, you, you got something fucking wrong with you. Seriously. Mr. Premium 2002 with a 499 Super Chat. I laughed when the crowd started chanting, thank you, Rollins. Cody Rose is a whole different story. That's This man definitely deserves his flowers. Theo with a 1999 Super Chat. Why returns at SummerSlam? I'm calling it now. What do you think, JD? We may get... We may get Wyatt before SummerSlam, man. WWE's going to need somebody to come in and fill that Cody Rhodes void. Don't know why they fired him in the first place, bro. Joseph Taylor with a $3 Super Chat. Happy 25th birthday, Gigi Dolan. Joseph, she's not going to fuck you, bro. She doesn't care. Happy birthday, Gigi Dolan. Nas, Dante, what's up, brother? $4.99. Pour me a call one for me. Turn in 23, old man. Listen. I need everybody in the chat. Everybody in the chat. I need... He's 23. He's old enough to drink. 
I need those whiskey glass emojis in the chat for my boy Dante turning 23 today, man. Happy birthday, brother. Deshaun Peace with the 499 Super Jet. Props to Cody going out there and putting on a hell of a match. The E is screwed with him on TV. Better get Bray now more than ever. I've been saying it for months, man. I, I always thought Bray was coming back to the WWE anyway. Now they need him more than ever. It's crazy. D. Bastardo with a $2 Super Jet. What's up, brother? Love your daily passion. Only way to live. The only way I know how, man. Only way I know how. Ryan Evans with a $5 Super Chat. You are the Mike Francesa of wrestling. That is meant to be a compliment. Who the hell cleared Cody tonight? Talent hasn't been cleared for less. Bro, I used to listen to Mike and the Mad Dog every fucking morning when my dad took us to school, man. Mike Francesa is basically one of the major voices of sports radio in New York City, man. The fact that you're making me out to be the Mike Francesa of wrestling. Ryan Evans, you got commented on that, brother. Thank you so much, man. My boy Derek Anawaihi with an eight-month membership to the OTS venue. What's up, brother? This show sucked, he says. I would not blame you if you said that or thought that. Unbelievable, man. WWE can't get anything right. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate you, brother. Joseph Taylor with a final super jet. Actually, Cody Rhodes, after the pay-per-view is over, said he made the decision to compete tonight. I don't know how true that is. Like I said, Joseph, I would not be surprised if Cody went out there and did what he did on his own. WWE had no choice. I will say this. If, if Cody... If WWE had a replacement for Cody, WWE, you know, they would have never sent him out there. They would have never sent him out there. The fact that WWE had nobody, Cody knew that he had to go out there and WWE was not going to tell Cody no. Seriously. And I honestly think if Cody didn't have a bruised fucking right side, you would have never heard anything about his injury at all. The match would have went on and then they would have told you he's out. Fat Package 101. $5 Super Chat. You're right, Jay. The events had depth like Keith Lee and Tony Storm. This would have been different, and they would have been right on track. Of course they would. Michelle Reborn Show with a $5 Super Chat. This is Super Dad. JD, you will never know how much you helped me keep on kicking ass. My daughter has special needs. And I let her use my account. Whatever you're going through, brother, I'm here, man. Whatever you are going through, I am here, man. I'm glad I could help in any way that I can. Say jaw with a 499 Super Chat. I liked how Bianca and Rhea both switched their pants tonight. Also, people talk down on AEW, but if Roman is so over, how come Money in the Bank switched venues? WWE moved into the more intimates MGM Grand. Supposedly, Money in the Bank is sold out. It's easy to tw- sell out 12,000 seats, 13,000 seats, whatever how many seats there is. It's not fucking 60,000 seats in Allegiant Stadium. 
The Undertaker. With a $5 super chat, Vince should give Cody Rhodes the Royal Rumble. I agree. I would not be surprised come Royal Rumble season that Cody Rhodes comes out at number 30 and is in the Royal Rumble. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. That injury looked gruesome, but Cody did it. Definitely going to get people talking, man. Tyrone Johnson with a 999 Super Chat. Hey, JD, how do you feel about the guy on Twitter that said Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins' match was better than the entire Double Nothing pay-per-view? Those were his exact words. Uh, please do not give these incels and unintelligent fucking creatures on social media the attention that they are seeking, Tyrone. I did not see who said that, nor do I care who said that. They are a complete fucking idiot. Stop. 99% of the wrestling community on Twitter is as dumb as an empty box of cereal. Neb with a 199 Super Chat. Becky dressed like a cokehead tonight. Yes, she did. It's the best way to describe Becky Lynch's outfit tonight. How did she come out? She looked like a cokehead. Guys, we need eight likes for 1,500. Eight likes for 1,500. Chill Vibes with a 14-month membership. Thank you for the recommitment to the VIP club, man. Bianca is losing at SummerSlam because it's in Bianca's hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. I didn't even realize that. Oh, my goodness. I could absolutely see that. Brother Love with a 199 Super Chat. The cell was red because of my dot, dot, dot. Love says Brother Love. Thank you, Bruce, with the 199 Super Chat. Your cell sucks. Nathan Hughes Connection with a $2 Super Chat, but Brian couldn't wrestle because of concussions. Yes. Yeah. Daniel Bryan couldn't wrestle because of concussions, which I honestly never believed to begin with anyway, but they allowed Cody Rhodes to go out there with a fully torn pec muscle off the bone. It's amazing. Sa Savvy Seed with a $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Not sure if you keep up with NXT UK, but can you believe they're in the process of splitting up Mustache Mountain? What a joke. No, uh, Seed, I don't watch NXT UK and uh, Mustache Mountain. Honestly, they should have been main roster bound fucking years ago, man. How Tyler Bate is still over there and not doing anything on the main roster is a fucking absolute disgrace. Ridiculous. Captain Solo with the 12-month membership. He's made one full year. AJ Styles should have gone to AEW when he had the chance. He's absolutely irrelevant and buried in WWE. Gary the New Man with the $5 Super Chat. That's some massive push they promised Ali. Yeah. They pushed him right off a fucking cliff and right into the grave, man. Right into the grave, they, they pushed him. Ridiculous. MGM Ballin with a 999 Super Chat. I was a Cody hater when he was in AEW, but I've grown fond of him again. Didn't really appreciate the thank you Rollins chance. Great match, but WWE not in a good position with the injury. AEW for the win. 
Um, MGM, uh, the thank you Rollins chance for, for the table spot, man. He pulled out a table because everybody else that uh, could have pulled out a table did not. And they didn't want to give Chicago what they want. So Seth Rollins did. It wasn't hate towards Cody. It was just praise for Rollins finally pulling out a table after they axed all night and nobody did it. Theo with a 1999 Super Chat. Do you see John Cena winning number 17? And do you see Cody versus Edge next year? Yes, on both. I think John Cena chasing number 17 needs to be told before that man fully retires. And Cody versus Edge, yes, it needs to happen for sure. Bushy Clementine with a $10 Super Chat. Ladies, triple threat, carry the night, in my opinion. Too bad they couldn't help the momentum going. Card didn't flow well either. Felt like a random raw. All out, still a better show, even with the few flaws it had. Uh, You mean double or nothing, brother. Double or nothing was the better show. All out is in September. And yes, the latest triple threat match to me was the match of the night. And yes, I do agree. This this was a Sunday night raw, for sure. Captain Solo with a $5 super chat. Cody Rose is out so soon. Vince will throw up. The Goldberg signal, God forbid. Oh. Now that Captain Solo will that into existence. Watch it come true, man. Neb with a 199 Super Chat. Cody is still a turncoat, but much respect for him. He's not a turncoat, bro. Come on. Bushy Clementine with a $5 Super Chat. Cody just isn't human. Big ups to Seth for protecting him every way he could. Rollins deserves a bonus for this one. Reverend Davey Thompson with a $5 Super Chat. I didn't watch the pay-per-view tonight, but I love hanging, or I love having a cold beverage with my favorite podcaster. Thank you, uh, Reverend Davey Thompson, man. I appreciate you, brother. What are you drinking tonight, man? Silent One. $3 Super Chat. Yo, JD, been in every live stream all year. All love. I appreciate you, man. That's why I like, to, that's why I like you guys celebrating and being here, man. Every night, showing support. Love it. You guys are awesome. Sam Mech with a $5 Super Chat. Celebrated my 40th birthday this week, and this chat was on fire tonight. Keep up the good work, JD, man. I'm on fire. And so was the podcast, man. Thank you guys very much. We got 1,500 likes. You guys are fucking awesome, man. We just hit 1,500 likes tonight on the Hell in a Cell post show, man. Thank you guys very much. Sam Mech, happy 40th birthday, brother. What did you do for your 40th birthday, man? It seems like a big milestone birthday, right? What did you do for your 40th birthday, man? Everybody throw up those birthday cake emojis for Sam Mech in the chat. Justin Striplin with a 999 Super Chat. I enjoyed the triple threat women's match and Hell in a Cell match. Great review as always, JD. Also, I watched Top Gun Maverick, and it was an amazing movie. I recommend everyone check out the movie. I'm interested in the Jurassic Park movie coming out on Friday, man. I believe that's the last Jurassic Park movie. It's the conclusion to uh, everything that's going on. Everybody's back for the new Jurassic Park movie. Dr. Grant is back, man. Malcolm is back.
Bradley Robinette with a one eye the not super chat. There should be a beer for Cody after that match. Absolutely. There should be a beer for Cody, but uh, if I'm Cody, I'm going right to the fucking emergency room and getting surgery on my goddamn peck. If a schedule, if a surgery is not scheduled tomorrow morning, man, I don't know what the fuck that man's doing. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. JD, I am 26 and I like Lady Gaga. I'm sorry to hear that, bro. I'm sorry to hear that, man. The professional guy with a $2 super chat. If Bray or Roman doesn't show up this week, WWE is trash. WWE certainly does need Bray. And Roman needs to be back on TV for sure. Especially after this week. Neb with a 199 super chat. Bring back Bold Orton and Chris Benoit. Neb, come on, bro. Bro, how much you been drinking, bro? The fact that you're saying bring back Chris Benoit, man. What's wrong with you? Come on now. Anyway, guys, uh, that's all I got for you. Hulugrim says he respects Joseph Taylor for admitting that he likes Lady Gaga. I don't know, man. I think Joseph Taylor's got some fucking problems. Anyway, guys, we're about to uh, get out of here, man. We're about to get out of here. The venue is closing for the evening, man. Jesse's not here, so I can't yell at him because he doesn't watch WWE programming, but... uh, I did play Warriors for him today. I didn't get no fucking thank you and appreciation, bro. I threw on Warriors for you, man. I don't fucking hear from you at all. What the fuck's going on? Yes, why anybody would admit that they like Lady Lady Gaga in my chat, man. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Holy shit. Anyway, guys, uh, what a nightcap and what a great way to close out the week, man. He heard Warriors. Okay. I didn't hear him say thank you. Anyway, guys, what a great way to end out the week, close out the week, man. If you missed any of the uh, other content on the channel, make sure you guys go and check that out, man. Everything you guys you need, everything you guys need is on the homepage. I'll be back again tomorrow. Live for Monday Night Raw, man. We'll be back in the OTS venue for a brand new week. Maybe there'll be an extra tomorrow. I'm not sure. I'll see how I feel. But uh, thank you guys so much, man, for the 1,500 likes. If you guys are still in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, man. Listen, man, 1,600, maybe 1,700 likes. Come on, man. Thank you for the super chats, guys. Thank you for the commitments to the VIP club here inside the venue. And make sure you guys go follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. 40,000 plus on Twitter, man. Thank you guys very much. I'll see you guys tomorrow for Monday Night Raw in the venue. I need two things before I get out of here, man. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, I know you guys got those Mustang emojis. Let me see them. And number two, man, when that guitar solo comes on, I need that music on max. I will see you live tomorrow night in the venue, guys. Monday Night Raw live on Off The Script. Have a great night, and I'll see you back right here on OTS.